sure you're ready for this. I'll do my best. Your best? Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and f*** the prom queen. Welcome to the Big Soccer Show. The best soccer show in the whole world. Here we go, best soccer show, backheel.com. Jason Davis, Jared Dubois, live Monday night edition of the program. MVP no. MVP no? I have uh, mm-hmm. I have Rapino problem back here. You can't, it's right there. I think you put the stress on the wrong syllable there. Rapino no problem. Uh, whatever really are we gonna nitpick now over my For a second there i thought women's soccer fans uh just uh crashed us soccer's website i couldn't get to it saying service unavailable now it's just slowly spinning oh, oh man. Maybe, interesting maybe Obviously, something's going on there we are here in the aftermath of usa three australia one at the women's world cup in winnipeg beautiful winnipeg canada jared and this is a we're gonna start with this game We'll get the phone lines open. Let me do that now. Let me just go ahead and crack open the phone lines. 347-756-6276. Jump in whenever you feel like it on whatever topic you feel like. Where We can touch on MLS. There's plenty there. Where Obviously, we can touch on the U-20s. We can touch on the U.S. national team beating the Netherlands on Friday, which we haven't had a chance to talk about yet. Talk about Germany on Wednesday. We can talk. What else is there? There's got to be some television we can uh, talk about. Yeah. There's on 20 World Cup. Did you say that? Yes, I did say that. Oh. Uh, and... Obviously, we're going to start with the U.S. women starting their World Cup campaign in Winnipeg against Australia in a game that for for the first 35 to 40 minutes was real, real dicey. Then it that, got that a was a, That was Australia's game. That was Australia's game to start. I, I think there's, without a doubt, was the better team in the first half. I, I was extremely surprised to see the U.S. come out that flat and actually just no presence in midfield. Yeah, you know, it, it, the United States was extremely stretched for whatever reason. There was wide open spaces for Australia between the midfield and the back line. Uh, they were having trouble finding uh, Wabi Ambach. Wambach? Why am I saying Ambach? What is wrong with me right now? I don't know. Abby I don't Wambach. know what that word is. I do know who she is. Abby Wambach. They had trouble finding her. She really wasn't much of a presence. She had one chance, I remember, on a back post set piece from Rapino that she just whiffed on. I've never seen that, Abby Wambach. That, that, that's, that's her game right there. I know. I, mean, I know. I was shocked. I was shocked. I said on Twitter, how many people started yelling goal before the ball even got to Wambach's head? Because you just assumed it'd be going in the net. Yeah, I put that. That's like watching Michael Jackson trip while doing the moonwalk. I mean, that's what, <laughs> what's what you do. Yes, exactly. Um, so they, they had some... Rapino kept them in that game for a long time. Obviously, she scored the first goal, got a deflection in order to get that goal. Uh, Australia came back and scored a, a great team goal. But then again, you look at that. It was a great team goal. But look at the, the U.S. shape and how disastrous their shape was. Where is the left side of the defense? Where's the last, left? There's no left side in that situation. They were, and meanwhile, Australia was abusing the right side of the U.S. So both flanks were getting abused for a long time there. We had Jill Ellis on the sideline, copiously taking notes, looking like Juan Carlos Osorio. I don't know what's going on there. 
I, I, I couldn't be that coach. I'm not that coach. I can barely tweet and watch a game at the same time. Like, there's usually <laughs> a reason why you don't see me like tweet during like U.S. national team games or uh, Galaxy games. Uh, it, most of the time, it's just I, I'm too stressed. How, how can as a coach, how can you just sit there taking notes? Well, I, it's that's, not, what, uh, that's what Andreas Herzog's for. Well, I mean, you know, that's part of your job. You got to be prepared. You got to get prepared. You got to prepare for life in general, and you know, uh, the next game. And the United States at that point, it was like I said, it was looking dicey. Australia was. The better team, they were they were really pressuring that that they were pressuring the U.S. when they had the ball. The U.S. was having trouble stringing passes together of any real quality. Then the U.S. back line was having some issues. Now, in the end, quality shone through. In the end, Kristen Press scores, Mega Rapino scores again. The United States wins that game three one. And what I think the sense is here, well, first of all, Australia's the number ten team in the world, right? They are a quality team, but not in the elite. So essentially what we saw was a better team with better talent and better fitness outlast Australia because Australia came out hard, Jared. They wanted to really go at the United States. They did a great job of it. But after about 65 minutes, they just didn't have the legs anymore. Yeah, just go back and watch... Um I believe it was the uh, second goal. Uh, no, excuse me, the Rapino goal, the very last one. Just watch the. There's a great angle from behind the goal where you can see the look on the Australian players' faces and how tired they are that they have to chase Megan Rapino down the field. And I think you're right when you say a lot of it came down to that towards the last 15, 20 minutes of this game. Um, I think the Australian players really gave too much of themselves in the first half. Um, it made it a very inter- entertaining game in the first half, especially if you're an Australian fan. But I think you see. Um, the danger of having all that speed early and that they, mm-hmm. it, it makes it tough down the stretch. And, mm-hmm. uh, even Sydney LaRue looked like she was tired on, on towards the end as well, but she still had that gear to pull it for some reason. And she still had that ability to go dig deep and get that, um, get around those last defenders. But I, I, I'll say this about the U.S.'s game. I'm scared what the U.S.'s game looks like if Megan Rapino can't take a game on her shoulders. Uh, you know, I think that other people will, will step up. I mean, I do think that, that nerves had a lot to do with today. Now, you don't expect a veteran team like the U.S. to have oh. nerves. But I think that the pressure of this tournament and being up in Canada and having that, that, that was a lot of U.S. support in that building in Winnipeg. I think that they feel the pressure. And I think that for whatever reason, it got to them. And that, that, that showed up. And, and again, Australia did what you're supposed to do. A team, a favorite, a, a, you're facing a favorite, um, on a surface they may not like too much with Alex Morgan injured with, um, well, at least on the bench to start the game with, with a, you know, a, a certainly a lack of defensive midfield presence and they pushed them and they pushed the United States. And they ran out of gas, but I don't know if that is indicative of the United States being dependent solely on Megan Rapino. And you know what? For as well as Megan Rapinoe played, she played great. She also wasted five, six decent chances to cross the ball. I mean, she was feeling yeah. it too. You could tell the nerves were in Megan Rapinoe, and they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be there. I think the Megan Rapinoe. One of the reasons that so much was asked of her is because I, I feel Lauren Holiday and Carly Lloyd just did not have any type of chemistry in the middle of the middle of the midfield. Uh, they constantly were stretched too far away from each other. And I, I know people are going to blame this part on the turf, but a lot of first touches gone astray. A lot of first touches uh, going going long. But I didn't see that in some of the games yesterday. So. 
is it the U.S.? Is it the turf? Maybe it's different in Winnipeg. Maybe it's not the same quality you're seeing in some of the other parks. I don't really know. But what I do know is that there's far too much of that turf between Carly Lloyd and Holiday. They have to find a way to combine. And they have, sometimes I feel like they're playing way too flat and way too far back. And granted, I know some of this is just the way the U.S. women play in that bag past the midfield, push, push the ball forward to Wambach. But I can barely remember Sydney LaRue touching the ball in the first half. I mean, I, yeah. I rarely do I remember her even being involved in the play. In the second half, I think you see her go wider for the ball to receive it from Rapino, and you're seeing a little bit get more into the attack. Also, what I'll say is that the the midfield for the U.S. was exponentially better once Tobin Heath got in, and she mm-hmm. decided just to play calmly, mm-hmm. play calmly, play simply, and, and look at her ability to look past the first good option. Yeah. You know, was really uh, important for the you US. know I'll, I'll admit to not having watched enough of this team during the build up to to know uh, to to say for certain that they can't play a little slower and a little bit more composed but I'm yelling at the TV and this is just you know again this this is me talking as a soccer guy and knowing the game but not necessarily knowing this team well enough I'm yelling at the TV slow it down slow it down slow it down because they wanted yeah. to go so fast Maybe it's the surface. Maybe it's Australia's speed and Australia's pressure creates that in, that energy in you, and you want to get after them too. But they had so they had more they had opportunities to compose themselves to get to to relieve some of the pressure that Australia was putting on them if they could just slow the ball down a little bit. They didn't want to do that. They didn't want to do that, and it, and it hurt them for a while. And I think you're right. Um, if you really take a step back to look at it, I'm sure Jalil is be covering this with her team over the next couple of days. Uh, to your point. If you slow down that that game and you pick out quality passes, I mean, you're going to neutralize the speed of Australia because you're not going to give the ball away um, in, in bad positions where you're releasing on a counterattack. And I think in a number of times you saw some of Australia's best movement come from balls one in midfield and freeing up a counterattack. And I, I think you have to be really cognizant of that if you're the U.S. because come Sweden and Nigeria, I mean, especially with Sweden, you know they have the they have the, um, the the quality to finish some of the chances Australia maybe didn't. And not just that, the quality to move the ball better than Australia did. And give Australia credit, that entry pass for their goal was a fantastic threaded ball right through five U.S. players on the money. Great movement for Australia. They totally deserved that goal. But the second half, it really was all U.S.'s game. Yeah, it, 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 it turned, it, it, again, the quality of the United States shown through. And I think this is interesting. You know, if, uh, we don't need to compare necessarily, but certainly as the Women's World Cup grows in size, Jared, 24 teams for the first time ever, as the, the game around the world for women is, is supported more and, and more money is put into it and the opportunity for these teams to get better is presented, you want to, you know, sort of see things through the prism of where this tournament is in relation to where the men's tournament used to be or, or was when it was a 24 team tournament, et cetera, et cetera. And you're still seeing, I mean, we obviously saw Germany absolutely demolish the Ivory Coast. Shows you how yeah. big the gap is. But the other thing is that you can, even in this game, and again, Australia is not a bad team. And again, they're ranked 10 in the world. And again, they have quality. You could see it. Davana De- yeah. De- was a fun player to watch out there. They had a bunch of good players. There's still a gap between the top four of the top five and everybody else. And it's Australia like is La Liga. Else. It is. It's a little bit like that. Like, you know, Atletico Madrid can beat Real Madrid on any given day and, and Barcelona. And you know that, you know, uh, Valencia is going to step up every now. But you, do, you know, Celta Vigo in mid tables not popping up to beat Real Madrid at, at the Bernabeu. This is certainly, certainly what we got here. 
And 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 it is. It's Australia competing for sixty five minutes or sixty minutes, and then the last mm-hmm. half hour just that's when the United States quality because quality in. shows through, and yeah. especially when you think about that ninety minute quality, and that's such a hard thing to attain in in uh, both sides of the game, the men and men and the women's, and that's one thing the U.S. has always prided itself prided itself on, but. I, I I will say that you're right in that uh, when I'm watching that Thailand Germany game yesterday, it was I'm sorry, sorry Thailand Germany, um, Thailand Norway and the uh, Germany and uh, Ivory Coast game, it was starkly apparent how much uh, adrift the teams are. And you say what you will about the the men's World Cup. Granted, it's had a lot longer to to uh, mature. Um, I don't know that the 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 the, the gap from the I don't know. Would you say the Hondurases and the North Koreas when they get into the, the the cup, and Brazil isn't yielding ten zero games? Now I loved watching the game yesterday. It was fantastic Wait a to second. look at. Hold on. Damn dog, that's an approach. You just put Honduras on the level of North Korea. I thought Honduras had Woo! a terrible. I, I hated the Woo! way they played. The no, they played cup. terrible soccer, but they weren't going to get beaten ten nothing, like you said. Okay, but uh, okay, I could remember what the other lowest teams were that were ranked. Uh, well, okay, the you know, actually, ranking. here's here's a good. Ex- uh, the one I can remember is um, a Confederations Cup. Didn't New Zealand. Did New Zealand no, no, not? Did New Zealand go to the Confederations? No, they didn't. Remember, it was it was. Oh, it was one of the island nations. Yes, like American, not American Samoa. Was American Samoa? No, it was like, like that. It was like Fiji or Togo or something. Oh, it was Fiji. Like that. It was a Fiji, and Fiji went to the so. Confederations Cup, and I think they got demolished. But they got Tahiti. It was Tahiti. See, uh, look at us. It. We're, we're it's one of those ees. <laughs> oh man! So it was Tahiti, and they went, and it was like plucky guys trying real hard going up against Brazil. You know, or uh, yeah, I guess Brazil wasn't that turn. Yeah, they were the host. So you know, I, it's sort of on, sort of on and, that. And level. fair play to Germany, right? Fair play to Germany. If you put up ten, you need to put up ten. Yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, I I think you can take your foot off the gas. Doesn't mean it's not awkward. It's awkward. Oh, it's real awkward. It's real awkward. And you know I, what? It's but awkward they, like a Michael Scott joke gone but, too but far. But here's and here's here here's another thing I think is worth pointing out. Just over the last couple of days, the Women's World Cup gets underway. Uh, Canada needs a late controversial penalty to beat China. We know China is used to be good. They, they I, I, I'm, I'm not in the controversial camp on that. Okay, they, they needed a penalty, but I think it was legit penalty. Okay, all right, fine. You had you had the Ivory Coast getting zapped by by Germany ten nothing, but mm-hmm. you had Nigeria with some legit uh, some legit talent on the field go toe to toe with Sweden and draw three three. And again, it's it's about investment. It's about the amount of. Um, support they get it's about whether whether or not these women have the opportunity to continue to play or get competitive games i mean the thing about it was interesting because nigeria played this weird mind game with sweden they said we don't know anything about sweden they said the the press said what do you know about sweden as you get ready for this game we don't know anything about sweden we don't care about sweden we care about ourselves we know nothing about sweden and the other and the other way sweden has to go we don't know anything about pia sunhaga is coaching sweden we don't know anything about nigeria because we can't get tape on nigeria they play like twice a year <laughs> Nobody sees them play. It's I mean that's that's where the women's game is now. It's 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 an incubation stage. We think of the US having you know the US won their first World Cup 30 years ago or 25 mm-hmm. years ago. And we think of think of it as as women's soccer being around and established for a long time, but it's not. It again, it has five countries that can really go after each other and play and play top level soccer and then everybody else is just scrambling trying to get better a little bit and a little bit a little bit. and that's uh, before I get to Daniel the question for you, Jared, is, and we'll we'll move on from the Women's World Cup with the U.S. now in first you place. Talk about Ada Herberg. Uh, we talk about whatever you want, but my question is: Do you think twenty four teams is too much? 
No, I think tier twenty four is okay. I, I, you're gonna have a couple in there that may be um, that may be. Uh, I, this first round is really gonna tell us more. We're only a bit through it right now, but I think it's okay in terms of the, growing the game because some of these nations, this is the only chance they may get to play some of this top quality talent. And maybe I'm not saying ten zero result is good for um, for Ivory Coast, but it's kind of good for the Ivory Coast because they're going to get three quality games in atmospheres they may not always get to play in. And I think it's good for them to for, for to, to to go through this. I mean, there's probably teams in this World Cup right now that probably got wiped to the floor with them a, a few World Cups ago, just like this, and now they're here as more of a legit team. I think it's important, but I don't think you go past this right now. All right, Daniel ATL, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, we're doing a show. What what's on your mind? <laughs> Not much. I just wanted to uh, chime in about, uh, you know, the Women's World Cup and how, you know, this is actually my very first Women's World Cup that I've seen, and it, it, it's pretty interesting. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Are you three and a half years old? I guess I am. <laughs> okay. You, know, you just weren't paying attention the last time. I just wasn't paying attention. All right. I, I mean, right. I remember the Japan and U.S. final. Other than that, I don't remember. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. One. All right. Move. You know what? Else? I will say that that this tournament, because of where it is, the time zone stuff, Jared, um, is 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 going. It's on a different level in terms of what who's going to be paying attention, how much attention we're paying to it. I mean, the last one was in Germany, so you had to be somebody who could devote a daytime. Watching nine, experience. nine a.m. kind of watching uh, yeah. watching games. Yeah. This is a pretty good the slot for us right now. I mean, yeah. this is this is working well. So I imagine um, there's going to be a lot of do a lot of people, guys, girls, whatever, like Daniel, who are who are really jumping on board at this point in the tournament for the first time. So Daniel, though, did, how much about the women's game or women's team did you know going into this? Have you paid attention since the last World Cup, or are you just kind of in for it uh, this time around, just on board? I mean, I I knew some of the American women, obviously, you know, Senior Rue, Alex Morgan, you know, Hope Solo, you know, those kind of women. Other than that, I had no clue who are in the groups, who is competing, who the best in the world is. And okay, as a person as a person with virgin eyes, what do you think about the first round that you've seen? What do you think about the women's game? It's it's pretty interesting. It's it's different. It's um it's entertaining. Uh, and they look tough too. It's it's nothing. It's nothing. Um, how do you say? Like, you know the the, the saying. Um, how do you say this? Uh, how you say? Playing like a girl. Playing <laughs> like a girl. That doesn't that doesn't belong here. You no. Know what I'm saying because no. these women are all, right. on a whole. Hey, let me tell you one more thing, Daniel. How old are you? Twenty-two. 22. You're old enough. Okay. You may not remember this person, but you need to go on YouTube and you need to search Michelle Akers and you're going to see a grown ass woman throw her body around and throw her head in front of stuff. I mean, you want to talk about a, a person that is going to change the way you think about women athletes. Go watch footage of Michelle Akers from 1991 through 1999 on YouTube. You can find it out there. Yeah. That, that, it, it, I, I advise that to any man or woman soccer fan. Go watch and you'll get a different appreciation for what a woman athlete is watching Michelle Akers. Oh, you can learn a lot. 
as you learn a lot about soccer, about playing, and about about just you learn a lot by watching yeah, Michelle. In fact, play. she she did all of it with chronic fatigue syndrome too. I all mean, right, you don't even know that when you're watching these clips, and yeah. it's impressive. Then you think yeah. about that. I mean, how she just killed her body every game. I mean, it's fantastic. And there's stories like that all around the women's game. It's not just Michelle Akers, but as an entry level point, as someone's a, a American soccer fan that wants to get into the U.S. women's game, go watch a little bit of that. Get your history on point, and you're gonna have a different perspective on. It, I guarantee it. You got anything else you want to share? Talk about Daniel. Yeah, um, when it when it came to the to the women's game, I I just really didn't realize how tough they were soccer wise. I mean, I know women athletes are, are tough, you know, like when 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 it comes to fighting because I watch a lot of fighting and I watch a lot of female fighting, female boxing, or you know, a whole bunch of other stuff. They're tough. Okay. But when I transitioned that to to soccer, I didn't realize how tough they were until you know I watched it Sunday when Norway played. Hegerberg. Germany played, and then today, too, when Sweden played. I'm telling you, man, Ada Hegerberg, that is my girl. I think I'm I'm going to be in love with her by, by the time this tournament's done, and not just for any kind of physical thing like that, but she is just a beast. I mean, this chick is built like a female Josie Altidore. I mean, she throws her weight around. She's got amazing speed when she trots. She's 19 years old. You can tell the talent's there. She got unlucky a lot of times, but for a 19-year-old, showed a lot of composure at a World Cup stage, I mean, this is one to watch right here. I mean, if she can stay healthy, uh, I, I, this is one of the girls that could maybe dominate the next like 10 to 15 years of this sport if she can really uh, come along with Norway. If you didn't get to see her game this weekend, make appointment television to watch the next Norway game and watch this girl play. Definitely. And um, do you guys think that I want to transition to, to, the, to the men's national team if you guys don't mind? Sure, go ahead. Yeah, um, do you guys think the U.S. have have a chance to at least draw on? Uh, Daniel, Daniel's been taken out. D- they took out Daniel. I think the, the Germans are jamming the, his signal. The, the Germans got to Daniel. That was really a technical issue on my fault, on my part. I feel bad. Um, but I believe this is, like, this is like the, uh, the, the 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 what's that? What's that Academy Award movie? The something game. Uh, the crying game. Oh my God! No, not that one. <laughs> I don't know. Jeez, you said that you said Academy Award and you said something game. I don't no, know. No, the one about the guy who who like uncodes the German uh, oh, Nazi signal. Oh, oh, the Imitation Game. I think is the Imitation it's Game. I haven't yes. seen that yet. I haven't seen any Oscar. Actually, you know what? Movies. The Imitation Game would be a decent title for the Crying Game as well. <laughs> that's, that's a good. Hold on a second. It's been a little. Jay Rodius. Oh yeah. Phone lines, 347-756-6276. Since Daniel was going to transition us into the U.S. men, and he was going to ask about whether or not they have a chance against Germany, we'll get to that question. Let's go back in time. Let's get in our, our best soccer show time machines, which I'm not sure what those would look like, but it'd be cool. And go back to Friday and talk about USA 4, Netherlands 3, at the Amsterdam Arena, the wildest, wackiest, weirdest, I don't even know, another W, I don't even know how to put a framework around that game, Jared. Yeah, do you do you celebrate that game? Like, it's, it's kind of weird. It, it's kind of weird. Like, do you like? I don't know what to feel about it. I, I, I don't no know idea. if I should be like, "Yeah, boy, we did it," or I should be like, "Oh, sorry, we kind of did you dirty," or like, I, I don't know what to feel. Oh no, about no, no. I am not going to apologize for winning the game. I'm not going to be like, "Oh man, we really didn't deserve to win that," because I don't because they were just as bad as we were defensively. So absolutely, we deserve yeah, to win the game. True. But what I'll say is I don't know if I should be excited. I mean, look, it's a friendly. I wasn't going to be excited either. Unless they won 10 nothing, which we just discussed, I wasn't going to get overly excited about that game. 
I I knew what it was. Even if they won, say one. Remember they beat Italy one nothing, and it was like, woo, they beat Italy in Italy. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, that's great. It was, it was a, a good win. It was a nice win. But you know, I I wasn't I wasn't gonna come out of this feeling like they made some giant strides unless it was a ninety minute complete front to back performance, and we didn't get that. So how do I feel about this? It's it's it was fun. That's how I feel. That 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 was a fun game, Jared. That's all, that's all I can say. Yeah, you know, and I'll, I'll agree with that. It's fun, and not just just that, but I'm stoked about one aspect of it, and that's how much youth played a role in the win. Um, I'll say this game also had one thing in common with that two zero Italy game is that uh, Michael Bradley in beast mode makes the U.S. a legit get a legit opponent for any team. Michael Bradley can play his game, and granted, most teams won't allow at this level Michael Bradley to play his game. Uh, they will game plan against the U.S.'s best midfielder and try to take him out of it. You saw that a lot in the World Cup. But as you said, and people that always will question, um, people that always talk about Josie's thirty goals in the Dutch league. Now you maybe understand a little bit the the uh, framework behind that when you talk about Dutch defense. I mean, granted, he scored thirty goals. But when you hear people say, yeah, but it's in the Dutch league, some people are like, whatever, kind of, it's kind of legit. It's kind of legit. I'm not to say that the Dutch don't have good defenders, decent defenders, but they just don't seem to commit to the cause the way the team you're going to play this week is, the Germans. The Germans, from front to back, play defense in every position. And not that I don't mean to say they play solely defense. They all understand the unit's role to, to I would say, organizing a game and it's amazing to watch yeah. i love watching germany every time we play them okay i don't because they beat us every time we play them but we beat them in on our soil recently last year that, that was in 2013 okay first of all wasn't the warm-up to the world cup no oh no, no wasn't you right because they had all their b team it's 2013 i was there ter Stegen made the worst gaffe i've ever seen a goalkeeper make probably pretty close maybe not yeah well pretty close uh, it was just a weird game. Josie scored, but whatever. It was a lot. It, it was from U.S. pressure. Jermaine Jones, baby, he pressured him. Yeah, okay, sure, that's what it was. Clinton scored in that game. Josie scored in that game. I don't remember what the final score was. Four two, maybe. Um, that yeah, you throw that one out the window. I, look, I, I don't care if they lose on Wednesday. I care if they put he if, if Clinton puts out a team with cohesive mm-hmm. ideas, with responsible understanding of what the roles are. And what does that look like, Jason? Not what we saw on Friday. So the, you don't want a Kyle Beckerman, Michael Bradley tandem in the middle? No, I'm okay with a Kyle Beckerman, Michael Bradley tandem. I, I'm. Are you okay with the John Brooks of Alvaro um, Alvarez? See, I didn't think that the. I mean, look, the the Dutch had the ball. You knew the Dutch were going to have the ball. I wasn't necessarily overly concerned with the midfield on on Friday. I was concerned with with the defense, with that back line. With Alvarado, with John Brooks, I think John. I think John Brooks de- decide when he puts on a U.S. jersey, he decides that he's playing total football and he doesn't tell anybody. And he wants yeah. to go. He wants to go be a forward. He's going to go be a midfielder. He's going to. He doesn't know where he wants to be or where he's supposed to be. And it's weird. It's really, really weird. And I don't like it at all. And that's what that's that's what I was concerned about on Friday. That's what I'll be concerned about on Wednesday. And that's what I'll be concerned about heading to the Gold Cup. Okay, I, I can see where you're coming from there. And I, I do like the John Brooks option in the back. I mean, Alvarado, I feel like he was a little more suspect in the air on a lot of those balls. I mean, listen, Huntelaar tore the U.S. apart in the air. 
And you start to wonder, okay, John Brooks is definitely probably, one, I would say in the camp right now, and maybe even most of the other time when, when any center backs brought in, maybe save John, Jeff Cameron, John Brooks may be the best center back with the ball at his feet that we have. Fair? Yeah, okay, fair. Yeah, sure. I think he's calm beyond his years with it. I think his decision-making still needs some work. His positioning still needs some work. I would say Omar Gonzalez is the best defender we have in the air, but he lacks some of those same things as well. So you start to ask yourself, Alvarado also, I think, very good with the ball at his feet, very good positionally. I think he's one of the better positional defenders that we have, not very strong in the air. So at what point do you start talking about maybe bringing Omar Gonzalez in and when you have to play these opponents that have big guys in the air, like a Huntelar, you know, it's I, there. You, I think you have to have at least one kind of destroyer in your lineup, and I don't see that in U.S. center back anywhere right now. Mm. It, it, it's a tricky situation. There, there's a pool of people, and none of them are overly convincing, right? I mean, not, you, you know, well, how much how much of Alvarado and Brooks do you put on uh, on on Breck Shea and Timmy Chandler laying eggs all over the field? Yeah, I I suppose, but they still it still seemed like their positioning was just it was haphazard, it was clueless. I mean, I, maybe that's I, I feel like Timothy Chandler's shirts made out of the same thing the Greatest American Heroes was. He puts it on, all of a sudden, he, has, he can't control anything with his body. <laughs> he can put on any shirt in the German League and play fine. He puts on the U.S. shirt, and all of a sudden, he gets all cattywampus all over the place. Cattywampus? And is not the right level for a fullback. Uh, not right now, he's not. Not, not Certainly not against a team like that without attacking ability. And look, I mean, you're not going to, up against Memphis Depay every week, and not that Shea had to deal with him Every this time week you are because you're going against Germany now. Well, okay, yeah. I, I have to go look at their roster. I don't know who they're playing, who they got, who they don't have. But, but yes, they're certainly loaded at every position. So Schweinsteiger, Oisel. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, uh, Ozil. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know how to put, uh, let's, let's be positive, I guess. I mean, let's, let's yeah, kind of should be positive. roll this back here at three, four, seven, seven, five, six, six, two, seven, six. If you have thoughts on the U.S. national team, join, drop them in here. Because, again, I don't want to paint this like doom and gloom because they did show resolve. And here's the other thing that, that I forget sometimes that I, that I know I should be giving him credit for that it doesn't pain me, but it just seems to, to not match up with what I see them do on the field so often. Jurgen Klinsmann turned them into a team that actually gets results in Europe. They never did that before. Even when we thought, like, not that we thought they were great under Bradley Arena, but they, they would go to Europe for friendlies and they would lay eggs and they would never win. And yep. we would go, we would decry the fact that they had, they didn't have the mental fortitude enough friendly to go and play against the European team. Now they go to Europe and they, they get, you know, they get draws against Switzerland and they get, they beat the Netherlands and we've seen them beat Italy. And you go, Oh, okay. Well, that's changed apparently. And that's a good thing. That's full credit to Jurgen Klinsmann. Yeah, and not just that, but you also have to, when you talk about giving credit, you're going to credit for things, things that he's good at. You know what he's good at? Making subs. He is fantastic at making subs and getting things out of him. Bobby Wood subbed in in this game. Danny Williams subbed in this game. Jordan Morris subbed in in this game. I think that's one of the most consistent themes of Jurgen Klinsmann's whole tenure. It really does boil down to two achievements for him. Different results in Europe than any other coach before. And getting quality results from subs. The problem is, Jurgen Klinsmann teams consistently go down. Actually, they go up, and then they give up leads. That's one of the yeah. big things. Yeah. And they're not getting consistency from starters. That's and there's no and obviously the other big knock against him still to this day is what is our style? 
You've had four years. Yeah. There's no difference now to the, than, be, than before. Yeah, I, mean, I, I like that he's bringing young players in. I like that he knows how to manage a game. I like that he's getting them the mentality where they can they believe they can have a shot against anyone in Europe. But at the same time, I still feel that not one player on that team can tell you how we play. And, and you know, formationally, to see them go from the four four two diamond, which he seemed to be locking in on, to all of a sudden throwing a four three three out there and switching Fabian Johnson from the midfield up to a you know to a wing forward position is I don't know I don't know. Uh, I had 917 on the air. He's no longer on the air, whoever that was, or she. So uh, call back, 347-756-6276. I think we'll leave it there. I mean, again, this is a friendly. I don't want to overrate the impact of this game. It was, it was, a, it was, there was a nice team goal from, uh, from John Brooks. Um, you obviously had a great goal to finish it out with Bobby Wood. You had a deflection for Danny Williams. Who, the, who scored the first one? Why am I blanking? Giassi's artist. Giassi's artist. That was a good goal as well. Good cross from Fabian Johnson and Giassi's artist. By the way, I saw some people throwing some shade at your boy by saying he should have gotten his left foot out and taken that left footed. I'm like, I don't think he reaches. Did the ball that. go in the net? It did. I don't think he reaches that ball with his left foot. I don't think he has. I, this. I, I think a bunch of people should shut up because the guy's put his right foot out and scored. How about you go out there and you score with your left foot then? Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. Before know. we move on, from you, Jason Davis, what's one change to the starting lineup that you'd like to see going to the Germany game? Either just selfishly something you'd like to see or something tactically I think you think needs to improve. Um, let's see. Uh, well, I, I want Timmy Chandler out, but I think the only option, to, to, the only change that you make there is DeAndre Yedlin, right? And, uh, and I'd like to see Fabian Johnson in the midfield rather than pushed high, but that's, I, I thought he was kind of eliminated a little bit. I mean, I know he made the cross for, for, for Zardes. I just didn't feel like he had as much impact on the game as he should have. Uh, I'm going to make one different change on this. Also, going to resolve, resolve around Fabian Johnson. I want to see Fabian Johnson at left back instead of uh, Breck Shea. With uh, I would say with mixed disc root in front of him because mixed disc root is naturally going to tuck in anyway, which is going to open up a nice channel for Fabian Johnson to go forward. And I think it shores up a big, uh, big hole in the defense that uh, the U.S. has created with Breck Shea in it. Okay, fair enough. Three four seven seven five six six two seven six. We are here on a Monday night. We're a little bit more than halfway through this show. Uh, talking U.S. Women's National Team, as they grab for, uh, three points in Group D against uh, against Australia via a three nothing, a three one win. Excuse me, Megan Rapino with a couple of goals and Christian uh, Christian Pe- Press with a goal. As the United States sort of outlast the Aussies, we can leave that one on the table. We'll leave the U.S. Men's National Team on the table. Jared, did you did you have anything else? I mean, I I know that there's U twenties to talk about because they play Colombia next in the knockout rounds of the U twenty World Cup. We got the U twenty threes. They won the third place game against England by two with two penalties um, in Toulon. Uh, there's that to talk about. Uh, there's MLS. I, I, we got we got plenty of that stuff to talk about. But what, I want to try try one thing real quick, and this is kind of general soccer media stuff, but it has to do with women's World Cup. I am enjoying the highly female. I would say staff that Fox is putting out there for the broadcast. I think they've done an excellent job with that. I think the first day when uh, before Rob Stone and Alexi Lawless got up to the studio because they were doing Champions League final, I thought the all female crew did a fantastic job on that. I think um, I think Hinkst has been one of the best. <laughs> I love her like I like love Michael. She's Bollock awesome. Last she year. is. She's fun. And you know what? Um, yeah, she's 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 good. I, I like her a lot. I do have a question though, and I maybe this is dropping a a bomb, and and maybe I shouldn't do this, but but I have to, and I love JP Della Camera. I'm a big fan. 
and and I know they got some other great names. John Strong's on that broadcast team, on one of those broadcast teams. It, it, are we never gonna have? Are we never gonna accept a female play-by-play announcer in soccer? I don't know of any, but that's probably just me being ignorant. No, I I don't know of any either, and that's what I'm saying. Like, this is a World Cup. This is a Women's World Cup, and I'm not saying you have to have women calling the game. It should be whoever the best is. But it just occurs to me that we have, we obviously have, you know, Kat Whitehill did a great job today on the U.S. broadcast. I don't know that you don't need Tony. I, I don't. I don't I, mind. I, I don't. I don't. I feel we'd be better without Tony. DiCicco yeah, I don't mind Tony Dechico, but I don't think he needs to be there. JP's great, but I'm saying like, okay, so you have Doris Burke in in the NBA. There's. For whatever reason, we have a glass ceiling when it comes to play-by-play announcers, and I'm just curious about that. Two six zero, who's this? Two six zero, you're on the air. Who's that? Hey, hey, this is um, Tyler. What's up, Tyler? Lane. Go ahead, man. Uh, I I also could do without Tony Gachito. He 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 just there's always coach speaking it up, and it's always annoying. That's 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 my opinion about that. But the thing I wanted to talk about going back to the to the women's game. <clears throat> was just um, how two things about about Rapino. Number one, the fact that she held on to the ball and just you know did things, you know created goals. But at the same time, I I think that held back the the uh, the attack. And because there's so many times where she could have played a simple ball back to the field, you know where there was space, and and they could have switched play or they could have played the ball back forward, you know giving a run to Larue. Or, or you know, cro- you know, uh, uh, an early cross from 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 midfield. You know, I, it just seemed like there was times when she held on the ball too long, and and they, you know, she ended up scoring a couple goals. But really, the o- the only one that that she scored off of that was the one that was deflected. Yeah, somehow you're finding a way to throw shade on someone with two goals and an assist. I know, but I know. Uh, but I will say this: I, I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from because she did look off a lot of her teammates a lot of the time. I'm going to offer one alternative scenario to that. When you're watching your teammates constantly give the ball away in bad positions and not able to string passes together, and you believe in your ability to change a game, and you've probably been given that type of autonomy by your coach to do so, at what point do you just take the game to yourself and try to make a difference? I mean, granted, it's a team sport, and I know she's got a lot of teammates around her and she didn't use them very well, but on a night where you get two goals and an assist on a night where your teammates weren't playing that well, is it really that bad? I'm, I'm not, I'm not hating on her. I'm just, I'm just asking the question. Would, would that have made a difference in their attack? Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to know. It's hard to know. Um, yeah. the, the U S seemed to seem to committed to bypass those same midfielders from the defense as well. I mean, how often did you see the defenders try to purposely play the ball through midfield? I mean, they were bypassing as much as uh, Rapino was. So, I just think yeah. part of that's the U.S. style. I mean, I think they they need to find a different format in that middle with Lloyd and, and Holiday that's going to work. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, maybe another uh, true threat on the far right. I don't know that that Kristen Press was that. I think she's better when she's playing either as a striker or just behind the strikers. I think her out wide is a bit of a waste of her time because she's not the type of person I equate with a natural winger. I would much rather see a Tobin Heath in there, a Heo in there. But I, I, once again, I, I think that Rapino did what she had to do to get a result on a night. Is it maybe a bit selfish? Probably. But I can't hate on it, just like you said you can't, because in the end, she got the job done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm wondering about the midfield, just the way teams are set up tactically. You know, 4-3-3, three, three, you know, the, 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 there's, there's three 
players for Australia that are around two, you know, uh, you know, holding ish midfielders like Lloyd and, and, uh, Holiday, you know, they, they just weren't able to, to work around the three guys, the three players. So they just played it wide. And that was just how the game was going to go, period. Just, just from the way they set things up. And I think Holiday obviously I think has the ability to play uh, more than just a, a defensive midfielder. But the way she, the position that she and Carly Lloyd took in the game, it required them to to to, to play way too defensively, and for some yeah. reason spread out. I just, I, I, I just, I just hope that you know, as, as they go forward, that there's just there, there's more than you know hope hope that somebody out wide can just break somebody down. I hope there's like something where it like looks like they're trying to unlock the the D set. You know, it just, yeah, her name's it just Tobin Heath. Like they were hoping for get it out wide and hope something happens. But that's but but that's it. It's it, you say hope, but that's a legitimate ability that these players have. I mean, you 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 go, they're also it, by, they're also hooking wait, it, hooking it upfield and hoping something happens there. That's yeah, exactly. their style. Let, let me ask you a question. You have Aaron Robin on your team. Do you not get him the ball out wide and let him cut inside on his left foot because that's just hoping something happens or do you do that cuz that's what he's good at? That's what he does. It's what he brings to the, he's world class at that skill. I I I hope I hope that's the strength that, that we have. I hope, I hope we play to our strengths. Okay. All right. I mean, I look. I, I think I, I think it's obvious that we are. If you watch a lot of the plays in the first half, I said this on Twitter, so I apologize if I'm being repetitive for those who follow me on there. But if you look at the way the team chose to set up Rapino numerous times in the first half, they get her the ball in the front third and they clear out around her. They pull everyone away. It's just like a, a point guard getting an isolation play drawn for him in basketball. You clear the court. You give her plenty of, of room around her to try to skin the defender. And she just couldn't deliver a good ball on her left. That was the problem. She They ran this kind of setup for her consistently in the first half. And she beat the defender. She just couldn't hook her ball in. She had really poor service. But it's very purposeful what they did in a lot of those scenarios. I, I, I definitely can see what was happening there. And it just seemed like totally different from the, because I, I watched the send-off series games, and it just seemed like that wasn't a primary, you know, uh, offensive strategy was, okay, we're going to get the ball wide to Rapino and she's going to do stuff. It didn't seem like that was what they were doing. So it, it felt out of character. felt like, like, like it was like, oh, this is our, this is our, our fail-safe. This is the plan F. If if we aren't doing what we want to be doing, well, no, I, I I get I get what you're saying. There's you want to feel as though they have some sort of game plan that everybody understands and everybody enacts. And when you are um, responding to the other team and and your only outlet is to do what they did in that game, then it looks like desperation. That's your concern. I, I yeah, I guess I, I I'm I'm a fan and I, and I want to see them do well, and so I'm I'm just you know I'm I'm hoping that's not the only thing that they do. Yeah, thanks for the call, man. Um, bye bye. Appreciate the insight. I, it's a it's a lot. I mean, look, I know we came into this tournament not being sure what they where they were in relation to Germany and France, the obvious favorites, and and pondering Japan even. Um, pondering whether or not they were going to, to hit one of those walls in the quarterfinals or the semifinals, and that was going to be it. But I feel like people are already sort of jumping ahead to this notion that they're not good enough, Jared, and we don't know yet. I mean, I, I don't know yet. I, I, I would be I would be hesitant to to draw that conclusion from the populace. I think what's happening more right now is that the, the display put out there tonight wasn't good enough. I don't know if people are jumping to the conclusion that the team overall isn't good enough to go through this whole tournament. I think they're just worried that what they saw tonight 
was it good enough? And if that same game gets brought out against the Swedens, the uh, Germanys, the French, I don't know that they'll be good enough for that. And that might be what you're seeing more. I think the okay. people still believe in this right. team. They've shown through over the send-off series they have the ability to play. Um, they did play some easier opponents during that time. They also struggled against at least one easier opponent during that time. But you also got to wonder, is this team going to be different now that Alex Morgan is back? I would, I would hope so, but back how? But back in what form? Back in... Back 100%, Alex Morgan? Because I don't think so. How could she possibly be? I, I don't know if she's 100%, but she, she might get pretty close enough over the course of this tournament. I mean, her, her 70, 80% is going to be better than a lot of people in this no. tournament. Just look at, do you think she's going to struggle against someone like a team like Thailand? No, of course not. But that's, okay. The, the bigger thing is, does she bring enough to the table to supersede Sydney LaRue in, in the near future? And I think yes, because I find that she has a lot more, I don't know, she's, she just seems capable of a lot more in getting her own shot than Sydney LaRue has. I just have not been impressed by Sydney LaRue during the sendoff series, even yeah. today. And part of it is, I think the team isn't finding her. They're, they're forcing the ball through Abby Wambach, which is just detracting from Sydney LaRue's game. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that I've ever liked. LaRue's game that much I mean there's something out of control about it there's something erratic about it there's she's a talented physical striker but and, and she's obviously got some speed but her first touch leaves a lot to be desired her hold-up play she doesn't always make the best decisions and you know while you have Wombach you think that that's I mean ultimately they looked for LaRue a lot on on as the at, you know as the hold-up striker to try to create something off of her and i thought that coming back into the midfield she was just she was mucking things up more than she was helping i, I think her physicality does a lot for her in terms of hiding some of her, her her failings um i think she's definitely more physically fit faster stronger can jump higher than a lot of other players and i think that tends to get her by at times um but i still think that i think she is a victim of a team that doesn't use her to her, her abilities the best as possible i think you saw her at her best when megan rapino freed her on the wing and she cut i mean she beat a defender cut a ball back perfectly and i think that's much more sydney larue's game get her facing goal running towards it so often with the ball going into abby Wambach, she's being asked to win second balls i don't think that's her game and the mid feels yeah. not winning the second balls because they're yeah. too far away from the front line to do yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, the spacing between lines was just so weird tonight. 347-756-6276. And uh, you know what I think is interesting? You know, and I've heard a lot. I listened to uh, Backheel.com had a Women's World Cup special hosted by Jonathan Tannenwald that was posted uh, today. Very good. Go listen to it. Je Jonathan talks to Jeff Kasouf uh, from NBC Sports and Equalizer Soccer. He also talks to... I believe Cat Whitehill and uh, JP Della Camera, and it's a very good preview of the of the tournament and kind of taking the note the taking the temperature of the tournament. One thing Jonathan brings up with with Jeff is this this progression of the women's tournament to the point where it now it is just soccer. It's not women's soccer, just soccer. We can just. And I think soccer fans think of it that way. I, I don't know. think the general public thinks I, that I way. I know. I don't think we're there yet with everybody. I think you're right, but I, I you know I, I do think that the soccer public has started to turn the U.S. women's national team into the same sort of uh, love-hate thing we've got with the men. It's, it's this, 
we undermine, undermine, undermine. When then, when, then when they, when you know, it's so it's such this weird love hate. But thing. I, I also feel like it's it, it should be seen as a compliment to the women's. Game, oh no, that's what whereas I'm saying. I think it's a crutch to the American game, the, the men's uh, game. Okay, the maybe. women's game they've set expectations. Yes, this is true. To be to to be the power in in the world, the U.S. men's team is not there, and I think it's from a fr- very much different kind of frustration. I think there's a frustration on both ends, and I think it's probably less deserved on the women's end. So I see where you're coming from. There is a naturally American thing with uh, soccer in general oh, where yeah. we no, really no. it's 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 a little bit of a twist on, on the it's it's a little bit of a, a twist the the men it's we're not good enough we're not good enough we're not good enough inferiority complex with the women mm-hmm. it's uh it's this it's, isn't good enough the, yeah we're supposed to be the winners what are you doing why do you suck that's that's what it is 607 you're on the air uh, hey guys it's Alex and uh, Alex and Syracuse I had a question for you about the yellow card thing is it is it a yellow card in two consecutive games and you're suspended or just two yellow cards? No, in any no, of no yeah, it is. It's a brutal rule. No, it's no. a brutal it's, rule where any two cards oh, up yes. to the quarterfinals. Up to the quarterfinals. So that is the, probably the biggest thing to come out of the state of the game besides three points is the fact that Megan Rapinoe picked up a yellow card. That means she has to go cardless over the next three games until that yellow card drops off. Yeah, yes. but what if... What, all right, so say, say they're up on Sweden... And she say, she should take um, a card. say Nigeria and Australia tie. That means the U.S. is already going through if they're ahead in like the 80th minute. They will have if, they will have that discussion ahead of time. She takes the yellow card there, and you yes. know she's going to miss the third game anyway. But know, then she's cleared to the next. Exactly, two. Alex. That's what sucks about this. Okay, it requires strategic planning on when to take a yellow card. That is the stupidest rule. It's That's ridiculous. so stupid. It, I, I, it's second stupidest rule after not being allowed to take off your shirt. <laughs> you mean for the men's game or for both? In general, for okay. celebration. Right. I mean, uh, Brady Chastain would get yellow carded for what Th- she did. This now. is true. Well, yeah, but they had already won. She didn't give a flying crap. They had already won the World yeah. Cup title. It didn't matter. Um, the first one that ripped their shirt off in, in in ecstasy as they score. I mean, who am I to tell them not to? Yeah, no, that was a, that's a really dumb rule. And uh, I'm the only person that shouldn't do that. I have really weird nipple hair. Okay, it's getting really <laughs> weird over here, Alex. You got anything else you want to? Damn, dog. In a props. No, man. Uh, just uh, good luck the rest of the way. All Thanks. right. There you go. Uh, yeah. The, you know, the U.S. women are going to need some luck. I do think that this game, the performance of the Nigerians, gives some hope that this is that the United States is, is going to go ahead and win this group. Now, a lot of people just assume, oh, they're going to win the group. It's a difficult group. Sweden's a very good team. Obviously, Nigeria's got some talent, but I think that ultimately the United States is going to be strong enough to win the group, Jerry. I think so, especially getting the fact that um, that that um, Nigeria and Sweden drew. Yes, that's is what I'm huge saying. For the US. It's huge. It was massive for the U.S. for them to take go ahead and take a lead here um, with the win over the Aussies. They if they beat either one of those teams, they should be golden. They should be absolutely fine. And you yeah, ma- to, to build to build on the discussion we were having just a second ago about general reception to the women's game, I had an interesting um, interchange with uh, Daniel Nair yesterday. Who, I mean, you have his brother Christian on Soccer Morning quite often to talk. Oh, to I follow football. I follow Daniel on Twitter. Daniel is a firecracker. Let me just say that. Well, I mean, a good interchange with him. He was throwing up like um, it was a I can't remember an article on the hottest women players. And my initial thought on it was, well, I mean, you'll see the same thing when men's World Cup comes around. You know, so I feel like it's kind of a false equivalency, but he did make a good point after that, that his real point is that it's the 
It's the lead. Quantity. It's the lead. Well, no. It, well, it's a quant- but it's the lead story. It's it's this yeah. website would never pay attention to the women's World Cup except for here are the hottest women from the women's World Cup. Where that same website is going is you know is definitely not doing a hottest men's, and they're probably going here's the best soccer teams in the world uh, for the World Cup and blah blah blah. And, and I think that's a fair argument, but it's also a judgmental one. I mean, it's a personal judgment, like which you feel is too far. But I think he's right when you talk about how many. Of those storylines and headlines you see, and uh, like it's 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 that t- an unfortunate part of it is just the the the, uh, the media with the it's landscape we live in, where what's the clickbait going to be? There, there's also there's also the fact that what I, what a lot of it is it's it's the power politics of it, Jared. Because even if you say, well, look, the, the women watch soccer because of hot guys, and oh, uh, w- w- some female focused websites would do hot guys in the World Cup. That we know where the dynamics work. We know we know that this is a patriarchal society. This is a male-dominated society, and that sexism, unfortunately, yes. sexism flows mostly downhill. Okay, so mm-hmm. what his point is is that even if that stuff exists for the men, we are not in anywhere near the sort of objectified position that women tend to no. be. I saw a tweet tonight, and this is really this really did disturb me. Uh, disturb me. I think I'm not sure who he retweeted. Some ones that really disturbed me. I, I saw some of those. Uh, I saw a tweet t- tonight, and I I don't know who it was. Um, I go maybe I'll go back and look. Something about Alex Morgan considered getting breast implants. There's absolutely zero reason should consider to no no it? she did. Apparently she admitted that she did consider this, and she doesn't have them. She's not getting them. Hopefully, there's no reason for Alex Morgan to feel the need to get breast implants unless it's only about how she looks. Do you know what I'm saying? She's a world. Well, it's also her choice. If she, she wants to. No, she it, can. okay, but she's a world class soccer player. She's got a. Mm-hmm. She's got a husband who loves her no matter what, right? What? That's like saying we can't talk about the. Uh, hold on. How is this any different than Wayne Rooney because, getting hair plugs? Be, be, oh, are you serious? Wait, are you serious? Do you do you think that Wayne Rooney's uh, earning power is significantly altered by the fact that he had? No, you said you said nothing about her earning power. No, but that. But you know that you're why, talking about a personal choice she made. She chose to think about doing. Okay, but she's also a she's also a product of a society that puts I value. I think Rooney probably did give you earn a little bit more having hair than not having hair. But what I'm saying is, Alex Morgan is a product of a society that has placed a certain value on a look that a woman needs to have. And even if it's not directly related to, well, I can make more money as a soccer player if I have implants, she certainly feels it as a woman and shouldn't have to feel that pressure. She shouldn't have to feel she has, shouldn't have to tie some of her self worth to whether or not she has big boobs, Jared. Because that's clearly what that's about. Agreed. Agreed. I yeah. mean, she can no. Trevor can shut up about this. Think about herself. Okay. What? Well, I'm, I'm reading way too much into that, or something. It's Trevor's point. I don't think that's true. Okay, but it's still. I think the point is still valid. What we were talking about originally that, unfortunately, I think most casual sports fans no, are finding the World Cup no, through this. No. Um, okay. Through this type yes. of these type of articles. And I think, I, listen, I, and I, I dismissed Daniel early on with it because I thought it was just a, I just equivalented on, on surface level. But I think the, the numbers game matters here, how many of these articles are out there. I think you're right in that it seems to be the lead story for non-sporting publications. And I think that is a bit unfair. I think you're right. But how, I, I think it's, I don't know if it's better or worse than last time around, to be honest with you. Because it's a different media society now. Yeah. It's a different media society where every click matters and it's no different than than uh, BuzzFeed doing their top eleven, whatever. It it's it's a terrible media world we live in, where it's all about getting you to click. And unfortunately, these are the type of things people click on. Mm-hmm. 
No, it's true. It's true. Uh, regardless, the soccer is good. All right, let's. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of time. We haven't really touched on the U twenties, Jared. Have you seen anything? I mean, it's in the middle of the night. It's hard to watch. It's very hard to watch. I've been only watching highlights because uh, I've had to go to work so early. I did have that moment at about eleven o'clock at night, Thursday night, thinking, okay, I'm, I may just push through on this, stay up to two in the morning, be at work by five. But uh, no, I chose to sleep instead. But I, I will say that in, in watching some of it, I DVR'd it a little bit too. I think Americans got extremely high off the second game of this uh, of, of this uh, first opening group round, and there was a lot of things to be excited about. I mean, Gideon Zelalem looked absolutely fantastic. His relationship with Emerson Hinman was fantastic as well. Those two really had something to be excited about. And then the next game. I mean, they came up against a Ukraine team with with uh, uh, was it Shachenko or Kovalenko? I can't remember the guy's name that uh, that was playing in that game. Best player of the tournament so far. I, I forget who, who who what his name was, but they came up against a better team, a team, and I think maybe these young kids maybe bought into a little bit of their own uh, the uh, pub on this. Mm-hmm. They did not put up the game that they like they did in the second one. I don't know if they're outclassed or maybe they're not as good as they we thought they were after that second game. They've had two games that have been suspect and one very good game. And I don't know what that says about them. Well, at this we'll point. find out when they play Columbia in the group stage. That game happens. I don't know if that's that must be like tomorrow night slash Wednesday morning. I, I'm not sure where it falls. I will say this. They I believe they played that game without Ruby Rubin and um I believe without Jameson in the starting lineup too, that second one, if I remember correctly. And that's I think that's two big pieces that um that I mean that's a Tough ask without those two guys. Yep. Um, all right. So uh, we've uh, we've touched on the women. We touched on the men. We touched on the U twenties. We haven't hit on any MLS. Let's uh, let's see if we got like a, just a minute or two here. Robert from LA, you're on the air. What's up? Hey, Jason. Hey, Jared. How's it going? What's, well, uh, what's going on? I talked to I talked to Robert in LA more than I talked to my mother. Do you realize that he may calls me like three so? Is he times your new best friend in LA besides me? Uh, no, no, no. I don't. I only have one best friend in LA, and that's Jared. There you Dubois. go, baby. All right, Robert. What's up? Oh, thank you. That makes me feel great. Uh, don't worry. It's okay. Uh, I want to talk about, uh, uh, Jason, you made an earlier point. Uh, I think you, and you're right. I agree with you that it's time for, uh, you know, a the lead female commentator. And, uh, I was looking at this, uh, tomorrow's, uh, England match. It's going to be actually be led by, a, a, a female commentator. But of course, it's, it's, uh, a Sky Sports reporter. And I'm surprised Fox uh. didn't do it because, you know, they're part of the same corporate umbrella. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to say that. But I want to ask you guys about the turf, and I don't know if you guys noticed this. There's a lot, not too much, or a lot, of, you know, diving down. To like you know, and Jared, you were talking about this. Like I, I play on turf too, on indoor leagues too, so I know that it can be painful. And do you think yeah, it's going to affect defenders, especially if they're going to make a deep run? The turf. Do you think going to affect the defenders? <laughs> Um, I, I mean, obviously, I think it's gonna affect every player on it. But um, I also think that as you go along, just start looking at these players' knees. I mean, it's it's brutal. I mean, it's a different type of. I'll, I'll say it this way: when you play on on grass or even dirt, as most of us play on, because we don't have nice grass where we play in our rec leagues and stuff like that. I mean, you get scrapes, uh-huh. and when you play on turf, it's different. You get burns. I yeah. mean, it burns. It is a whole different level of of of, of annoyance of more than anything else, and. I, I, it's it, it, it's a tough ask for these players. I mean, you've said Sydney LaRue's put out pictures of what her legs look like after games on this stuff. And I think that 
I think they're right in that if this was a men's World Cup, there's no way this happens. So there's an absolute double standard going on here. Um, but at the same time, this is what they've been uh, asked to play on, and this is the way the tournament's going to go. And I think that uh, in that case, I think some of the, I would say some of the Northern European countries and even the U.S. have a bit of advantage on this because they play on these surfaces more often than African teams, South American teams, and even Southern European teams. It's naturally cold weather. They tend to play on this kind of stuff, and the U.S. is probably at the forefront of that. Yep. Got anything else, Robert? Um, yeah, on that point, uh, that's mostly like, if they're going to play at, in the league with our social turf, it's mostly like once a week. This is like seven games over in one month. So I think that may affect, it's going to affect all the teams and all the players. Uh, I just wanted to get that point across. But, uh, thanks guys for taking my call. Love Appreciate it. All right. Uh, we're just, uh, we're actually, uh, taking over to extra, extra time here, Jared. Do you want to share any? MLS thoughts. Trevor has a good point. Sunday didn't happen by our standards because there were zero yeah. goals between two games. Thanks a lot, guys. Rocky Mountain rivalry, my butt. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I say some big results in the Western Conference this week. Um, Sporting Kansas City getting one zero result over Seattle. That is absolutely huge. Um, and then uh, also LA's uh, winning streak at home comes to an end after a full season last season. Well, not full season. They lost the very first game of last season. That's the last time LA lost at home, even through the playoffs and everything. So big result there for Vancouver getting the one zero result of LA on L- and Robbie Keane's first start in some uh, number of months. But you can see that the uh, the loss of Giuseppe Zardes was there. Um, I don't think LA played a very good game overall, and um, they they're missing the Villarreal's, the Bradford Jamisons, the uh, Giuseppe Zardes, the ki- the kids that have gotten them through the season so far are very necessary to LA success. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, I also say surprise resort Orlando over Chicago 3-2 on an own goal at the very end. But Harry Ship having a wonderful drop dead dime pass uh, assist in that game. So mm-hmm. Harry Ship, you got to wonder at what point does he start seeing some time or some call-ups with the national team? Probably not until after the Gold Cup, right? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it has to be. I think he's in that picture. I'm going to tip in here in New York City FC getting the first ever road win in Philadelphia, and Tommy McNamara gets a chance to play Jared. Oh, yeah. That, my friend, that, my friend, was... Uh, what has... Sorry, just got to drop what it What has taken so long? I, you know, he was he was hurt, obviously, coming back. I guess maybe he just didn't have... He was the, playing well in the preseason. Jason Christ unleashed the beast that is the mullet. Well, yeah. he's not got a mullet anymore, but he needs to. It's, he's got something. It's not quite the old school mullet he was rocking in Chivas, but he's got, he's still like got some flyers. He's still got some, some, you know, the make He him- reminds me of, have you ever seen that movie Kicking and Screaming with Will Ferrell? Yes, I've seen it. There's the redhead kid that has the, like a really, he's really kind of funky looking. He's like the comic relief in the movie. Tommy McNamara looks like what that kid would look like if he grew up. Okay, there you go. Go back and look at it. You'll you'll see the guy I'm talking about. There you go. All right, uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap up this. Edition. Also, what's up with your boys, DC? Your 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 that that that's your boys. That's your team. I mean, that's your team. You always say I'm crazy about. They lose to Toronto two one. Toronto's good. Sebastian Jovinko is insane right now. I mean, the the man is. On fire! Like, can you remember the last time a player took put over him a out. league like this? I uh, no. I mean, I think Donovan had stretches, but it was like yeah. it was like. Uh, uh, well, I guess he did have stretches where he scored a lot and was assisting. But that's this is be uh, maybe not beyond that. I don't want to put that. He, he, if he does it for two or three more games, we are talking about historic levels here because he's been off the charts. They, I, I went back and looked at his record. I think he's got five, like four goals and three assists in his last five. Which is yeah. nuts, and there's like one one game where he didn't have a his, an assist or a goal, which breaks it up, unfortunately. 
But he is the archetype of what MLS needs to find more of yeah. if it's to be really truly successful and kind of transition to the next phase it wants to go to. That guy that just got missed a little bit in the system. He's not missing. He played for Italy, but I'm just saying he's frustrated with his with his role at Juve, yeah. looking for a different opportunity, and brings just sheer quality we, to the league. Have you and I? We've talked about Parks and Rec. You're not a Parks and Rec guy, right? I am absolutely okay. a Parks and Rec. Guy. Right. So so why are we not calling him Little Sebastian? Oh, little Sebastian. Why are we not? Yes, of course you are. Why are we not calling him little Sebastian and working that into the show? I've got to find some. Bye, little Sebastian. Find a little Sebastian drop. That's a perfect way to end this program. All right. Uh, thank you guys for listening oh, on a Monday. I you thought of that and I didn't. I know. I can't believe I, I don't know where that came from. All right. Uh, I think the U.S. women are going to be okay in the group. We'll see what happens in the knockout rounds. Uh, the U20s on Wednesday. U.S. men on Wednesday with the, um, uh, with Germany, we'll uh, we'll be taking stock of that game next weekend more likely than not. Although I am doing Rabble TV for the U.S. women on Friday against Sweden, Jared. So uh, spread the word. Just some Davis. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been doing uh, Rabble every Friday for a while, so check that out. Rabble put, put, put some Davis in your holes. Yeah, if you can find, uh, if you can, if we, we'll find somebody else to do it with me because I can't, I can't, I can't solo. I can't. I, not hope solo. I can't solo. I can't solo that. I'm not going to. So I'm going to try. We'll try I to find somebody else. Friday, dude. Yeah, I'm sure you have. I'm sure you're busy. It's okay. It's cool. All right, guys. We um go to uh go to iTunes. Give us a rating and a review. Uh, so- uh best soccer show on Twitter. Jay Rodius on Twitter. And uh, what else? Jay Rodius. Someone uh, go unfollow Hey Hayward and go follow Jay Rodius. I don't like how close he's getting to me. <laughs> you heard it here first. Uh, Jay Rodius is getting. He's getting, that, he's getting that soccer morning bump. I don't like it. All right. So we'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Bye. The best. The best. Duh and or hello. Damn, dog. That's an approach. Zange is on. I am Mikkel Morrison and Paul Sundiskira. Skin that smoke wagon and see what happens. Jay Rodius.